Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out. Okay, Trevor Freeland, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? How are you? I'm doing good. Happy Monday. Absolutely. Where are you coming from? Uh, New York City, in Manhattan, uh, Tribeca. Oh, wow. Awesome. How long you live there? Uh, I've been here. I've been in New York since 1996, and 1995, 96. And I've been in Tribeca down this part of Manhattan since um, 2003, 2002, 2003. Awesome. Well, listen, um, I've been doing a little bit of research on you just recently, and, and it's it's pretty well documented that you've had um, a successful uh, high school career, uh, college career as a swimmer, and then you've gone on to become very successful in life and in business. You're, you're currently managing director at Deutsche Bank, correct? Yes, that's correct. How long have you been in, been in that role? Uh, I've been a managing director at Deutsche Bank since 2012. I started a DB and I, when I graduated out of Fuqua School of Business. And uh, after a brief stint as a sprint coach at UVA, <laughs> nice. uh, did that, uh, worked with Mark Bernardino for a little bit. And then I've been here uh, since 1995. So I've worked at Deutsche Bank for 26 years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable interviewing Olympic gold medalists. I've been, I've been doing that recently, the past kind of 12 months, and I'm pretty comfortable in that. I'm not, I'm not as comfortable interviewing and managing directors at Deutsche Bank. So bear with me, all right? It's easy. <laughs> so listen um you know you've got an incredible life story i mean when you when you go back from the beginning and and kind of where it started and and how it progressed it's just incredible they've even made movies about your life you've been part of a movie that the pride movie and, and you were coached by the the now famous jim ellis at, at the pdr um, swim team in, in philadelphia which is which has been well publicized and well documented, but just talk to me about those informative years in terms of growing up in that area and, and, and how you landed at that team and the influence Jim had on you. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was, he had a massive influence on my life, so that can never be understated. Uh, uh, he, uh, I owe a lot to what I've achieved to both him and my mother, uh, who were very, uh, uh they helped, uh, sculpt and, uh, form my formative years in terms of how I think and, and your value system and how you, your work ethic. So uh, when my parents moved to a uh, new home when I was one or two years old, uh, they looked at several and uh, in the neighborhood, maybe they looked at seven, six of them all had pools in the backyard. One of them didn't. We ended up getting the one without the pool because we wanted to be able to, they had more acreage, but um, around the house. But uh, uh, then they was, subsequently, my mother doesn't know how to swim to this day. Uh, and both of our sons went to school on swimming scholarships, so it's kind of ironic. So she, she wanted us to learn how to swim, went to a place in Y, the, the neighborhood Y wasn't that good. Uh, we didn't know how, I mean, we forgot how to swim. They said we could swim, we couldn't. <laughs> uh, she found out about a program, a learn to swim program in West Philadelphia, uh, which is far away from where we grew up. It's about a 45 minute drive each way. Um, but it was supposed to be really good. It was free. It was the city of the Philadelphia Department of Recreation. And supposedly they were very successful at teaching people how to swim. And this is like in the 1970s, 71 era. So you have to remember back in seg- you know, the civil, war- civil rights era and, and when you had segregation, blacks weren't allowed to get in the pool with whites in the United States. So when I was born, I couldn't get in the pool mm. with someone. Unbelievable. Uh, but they would drain the pool or things would be done. So we went to this 
we went to this, um, so not, not to digress, we went to the program, which is where Jim Ellis was, and we learned how to swim. And he approached my mother and was like, hey, your, your sons are great athletes. They have a great feel for the water. I'm starting a team and I'd like them to be on the team. And at that point, my mother dared to be different. You know, she chose to take a different path. You know, it's not very often that you see a young, uh, at that time, my parents were divorced by then. So a single black mom um, put their kids into something that's not like football or basketball or just parents in general. Um, And she decided that I'm going to go with the swimming thing. And uh, it worked out. So we we, uh, we were one of the initial, one of the original in 1971. We were some of the original um, members of the P. Uh, back then, it was called the Sayre Aquatic Club. That was mm-hmm. Jim's first team. And then we they built a, a new newer pool in Nice Town, which there's nothing nice about Nice Town. You know, <laughs> it's a rough area as well. And uh, that's where the, the the more storied part of the 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 team evolved and that's where you saw us you know at that point that was in the 80s so that was when I was uh, a freshman in high school and then at that point we developed an entire program from eight and unders to senior national qualifiers that were just outstanding and uh, that's that's where the the real push of the movie was Um, pretty incredible what was Jim doing that was a standout for you I mean how did you end up sticking to this program and, and thriving in this program. What was he doing for you? Uh, Jim Ellis is a great teacher, a great motivator, and a great educator. And on top of that, he's a great person. Uh, and he, uh, he will challenge you and he will motivate you and he'll do it with a level of uh, intensity and swagger that's different than a lot of the coaches that were around at that time. And so he pushed me. He, he, he's able to, to connect with children. He was able to connect with you and, and get you to be the best you can be. And because he has a background as an educator, you are able to relate to all different types of people. Because when you're teaching, you have to teach to the people that can grasp, he taught mathematics. And you have to teach people that can grasp things quickly. You have to teach people that might struggle a little bit. You have to teach people that are highly motivated, some that aren't motivated. You have to connect with all of them and try to get them to where they need to be. And he was excellent at doing that. Uh, he was excellent at pushing me to the point where when I was, you know, I had to do all of my sets on my own because I'd reached a level where, you know, I was swimming by myself, given the level I had attained, achieved versus some of the other people on the team at that time. Uh, and so, you know, he, he pushed me. And if I, if I didn't, if I didn't give 110%, then I would, he'd wait till the end. If we had a target set and I didn't wait I didn't perform appropriately. He would voice his displeasure, but kind of let it go. And at the end of the set, then, I mean, excuse me, in the practice, everyone would get out. And then he's all right, you know, big man, big fella, get back in. We're doing it again. <laughs> you know, and uh, so. There's accountability there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my mother was always like, look, whatever Jim says, you know, it's, it's like you go, I'm on the program and whatever he says. So, there, you know, now so I think uh, in this day and age, things are a little different with how sometimes, you know, kids can kind of react and, and how it's, it's perceived. No, didn't, it, 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 my mother didn't subscribe to that. Uh, at the end of the day, what Jim says goes, and as long as I give 110%, she's fine with that. If I don't give 110%, then there's an issue with that. So, now was there ever a time where you were being pulled in a different direction? Where you know you're you're a big kid too? Was it was was basketball a thing? Was football a thing? Or was it for you? Was what was the passion that came with swimming? Uh, we just wanted to be great, and. Uh, we immersed ourselves in the sport. Uh, Jim was a student of the sport and, and I, I emulated him. And we read all the books we could read. We, we, at that time, it was Swimming World. That's where you got all the, all the mm-hmm. stats and 
and you know uh, a friend of yours that swam with you at Auburn, uh, Matt Target, who actually started yeah. UVA. He's always been amazed at my knowledge of the sport or my recollection of splits and things mm -hmm. of that nature. But when you come into a program where there's no people ahead of you to learn from, you have to immerse yourself in it and become an expert to 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 excel. So there wasn't like there was in, you know many black swimmers in Philadelphia before us or other. We were we were lucky that there were several programs. Like it's a little known fact across most of the country, but people that swim in Mid-Atlantic, there were three predominantly black swimming teams with black coaches, the Polar Bears, Tiger Sharks, and um, Sarah Aquatic Club slash PDR. So that was kind of unique unto itself at that time. This is in the 70s. But so, but to get to the level we wanted to get to, you had to immerse yourself. So I was, every time I got Swim World Magazine, I would, read, I would grab it, fight with my brother to get it, and we read it from front to back, go through all the splits, go through all the articles. And uh, so that's kind of how I, I, got, I got started in it. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, when you look at where we wanted to go, we just had to um, chart our path, work hard, and, and just try to, to, uh, to execute on that plan as, as, much as, as much as possible and as, as highly efficiently as we can. And um, we didn't think of ourselves being any different um, than the people that we swam against. I mean, obviously we were a black team, obviously, we, you know, with a black coach and there were no, no, no one else like us, but we knew, we knew that we were cognizant of that. But at the end of the day, we were there to get in a lane, swim in the same water that everyone else swam in and get to the wall before they did. That was the end goal. You didn't experience um, any craziness with, with traveling as, as a predominantly black team. Was it, was the, did you ever feel oh, out oh, of place? Way, oh, by the way, you asked me if I did any other sports. I meant to I, I digress a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, the I, I I was asked to play football. I was asked to play basketball when I was in high school. Then I started to get bigger, made the team, and then just gave a spot back. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to do swimming, but it was kind of a nice way to shut the people up that thought that swimming wasn't that. <laughs> yeah. you know, it didn't carry the same swagger as say being on the football team or the basketball team. Yeah, yeah. The day my passion was swimming, so we made the team, and I'm like, all right, here you go. They just spot back. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the next question was about traveling. Yeah, I mean, when you're look, when you're at practice and you're, you're surrounded by your peers and who are predominantly black, you feel comfortable. But when you're traveling, when you're on the road, when you go into these meets, and all of a sudden it's predominantly white on the pool deck, was that a strange feeling for you, or you just didn't bother about it? We didn't bother about it. We had a we had a strong sense of self confidence, and that came from both our parents, my parents, as well as uh, uh, Jim Ellis. My mother always instilled that in me. And made sure that you know we were confident young black men and uh jim did the same i mean did we experience racism absolutely were we, ex were, we were we exposed to stuff like that absolutely we looked at it as as uh if you're trying to hold us back we're going to come back that much harder at you mm -hmm. uh, and the thing is there were also some great experiences from some remarkable swimmers so we grew up in a time of mid-atlantic swimming where you had a lot of people that made the national team or on on the olympic team from our area Mm. And we grew up with uh, some coaches, you know, historical, historic coaches, George Breen, late George Breen, um, God rest his soul, and, um, and uh, George Haynes, Dick Schulberg. They all mentored Jamelis. They all saw that he kind of knew what, what he was, you know, he knew what he was doing. He had a passion for it. And so they, they gave him a lot of time. And then some of the swimmers um, that swam with us uh, at that time were also end up being very accomplished. So we came up with a group that, and they were very welcoming. Like they, they, uh, they didn't, they didn't make it as obvious as it could have been. You know, they, they didn't make it as uncomfortable as some people did in certain situations. Like I did sure. see some people that got in trouble or got, you know, got, got scolded because they lost to a black kid. 
Not lost to a kid, but lost to a black kid. Yeah. But you had people like uh, like uh, Sean Killian, uh, Dave Burkhoff, you know, his daughter does now Catherine Burkhoff at NC State. Dave Burkhoff had the, you know, world record 100 back, gold, Olympic gold medal, Olympic silver medal in 100 back, gold medal in a 4 by 100 relay. We swam, we swam, we grew up together. We swam together. Sean Killian had the American record in the 800 freestyle. We swam together. Okay, we were, we were contemporaries. We raced against each other all the time. So we grew up with people that excelled at a high level and they were excelling at a young level. And, and so that elevated our game. And at the same time, I'm still friends with these people to this day. Um, you know, uh, and uh, Dave Burkhoff and I go up, go back and forth and chat about a lot of different things. We were on a recruiting trip at UVA together and he, if you didn't get into Harvard, he probably wouldn't have came to UVA with me, I think. <laughs> well, I was going to say that to you in terms of getting to UVA look I know for a fact it's one of the elite schools in the country not only uh, athletically but academically for sure and there's a certain number of, of spots you know they don't just say it's open to anyone you gotta you gotta be good enough to get there and, and then good enough to get a spot so in terms of how did you get there what, what was the process for you uh, let's see and I remember I met uh Coach Bernardino, I was swimming uh, at a, a regional, kind of like a, they don't have them now, but I guess it would be a, kind of like one of the regional meets that you have, like select meets. Mm -hmm. um, it was at Westchester University. And I did a lifetime best, unshaved, unrested, and a tour free. Uh, and he watched me. And I remember when I got out of the pool before I get back to gym, he stopped me. He said, you know, he complimented me with my stroke. He thought it was a great swim. You know, he wanted to recruit me. And uh, I was like, okay. And at that time, uh, I was already looking at UVA. UVA, we actually had, it's definitely a hard school. And I went to one of the best, I went to the best high school in the city of Philadelphia, public high school. Uh, it was all male at the time. We actually had four people in my graduating class go to UVA. So for mm. an out-of-state uh, high school, that's a lot of, that's a lot. That's a lot mm. of slot. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, from, from an academic perspective, I have been prepared. Um, I think at that time I was like third or fourth in my class. So that wasn't an issue. And the swimming, um, I went, once I went to, once I went on my trip down there, I, I liked, first of all, I get along, got along well with Mark and still to this day, he's one of the biggest influences in my life for lifelong friends. He calls me, you know, I'm, I'm his, uh, he's my Italian brother and I'm his African-American brother. Um, <laughs> he's a good but, man. Uh, I love him. He's a very good man. He's a very good man. Uh, and, uh, so it was, I just fell in love with the school and, uh, you know, it, it, it was something that uh, once I, I visited, once I saw the, the academic side as well as the team side, what Mark was trying to build, I, I bought in. So, uh, and I had great grades and test scores, so it was easy. You know, I, it was no problem for me getting in, even as an athlete. He said it was, <laughs> I was one of the easiest people to get in uh, there. So uh, when they took my uh, application over. Um, oh, nice. but, uh, yeah. I love it. Well, listen, I want to get into um, some, some business stuff because look, you're, you're highly successful in business. So most of the kids that I recruited, I was the head coach at Auburn for, um, you know, 12 years. And um, most of the kids that I spoke to, most of the families I went into their houses, they didn't aspire necessarily to want to be an Olympian. You know, they, they, they thought that was a great idea, but the majority of them I'm talking about just wanted to be great college students they wanted to be great athletes they wanted to balance their academics and then they wanted to go on and be successful in life and be successful in business which is what you've done you were highly successful as a as a college swimmer and then now have gone on to be like i said managing director at Deutsche bank and so this path is is 
I mean, you could go into any home and, and you could be the top recruiter. <laughs> you should be actually for UVA. You need to go in there and start recruiting for them. But it's like, how do you get to where you are? That's what most people want to know. They don't want to necessarily want to know how I got to be an Olympian, even though I study that pretty hard. But how did you get to be so successful in, in business life? So what's that transition? So first of all, what are the things that you were doing at UVA that set you up well for post UVA? Uh, I think UVA, one of the things we learned at UVA and uh, uh, is that uh, you have to always constantly prepare yourself. Like luck is where preparation and opportunity meet. Mm. Okay? So if someone was lucky or quote unquote fortunate, they probably have prepared themselves, mm -hmm. they probably have done the work they needed to do, the opportunity presented itself and then they executed. Um, and I think that, that was the same thing that we were taught when we were swimming. Like, um, Hard work beats great talent and great talent doesn't work hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you always have to work hard. If you have both then great, that's a winning combination. Uh, I would say, I just took that tenacity, uh, the, the work ethic and the drive and the, the resilience that you learn from swimming. Uh, and then I uh, took that and went to, um, wall street and just applied it. Well, in, ter in terms of college though, itself, like, so, so your day, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to get distracted and get diverted and, and do some things that, you know, when your parents are around, when your mom's around, she's over the top of you, when coach Ellis is over the top of you. Uh, but, but as soon as you get to college, there's a lot more freedom. Your coach only really gets you for about 20 hours a week. And then you've got the rest of the time to be with your friends and other, you know, college students. So in terms of um, decision-making, what are the things that you're most proud of while you were there uh, that helped you be successful? Mm. The the, uh, the ability to manage your time efficiently. Yeah, that's a big one, make, right? Make time, make time for yourself. Um, you have to have a good time. You have to enjoy yourself, but in moderation, and do it uh, with accountability and responsibility. Uh, and then just immerse yourself in the tasks at hand, and make sure that you're doing them to you know as well as you can and as intensely as you can. And be creative. Be creative. You want to be creative, and you want to work smart. You want to work. You want to work intently, but you also uh, intensely. Excuse me. But you want to work smartly. Um, but and uh, never forget to think outside the box when you're trying to to to, to come up with creative solutions. Um, I like that. And and and, and it's, it's putting all that in one box and just harnessing it, uh, networking effect effectively. You know, being an affable person uh, and and knowing that each opportunity, each time you interact with someone in certain in a certain space is an opportunity to both learn, grow, uh, learn from someone else and make another relationship. Um, and you just build on those. Well, you said uh, Coach Bernardino has had a huge influence on your life. What are, what are some of the life lessons that you learned from him? He's, he's, a, he's a funny man. He's a tough man. And he's a good man. And, uh, you know, there's a, little, a lot of stuff you can learn from him. You got any particular stories that you could share? Uh <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's he's a tough person. He's a great person, but uh, he's funny. Uh, I mean, I have so many stories. I mean, I I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, uh, some of the things that we learned from him, I'll never forget the the passion and the intensity and 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 the, that he had for us. And uh, you know, uh, I remember we had these shirts that were made uh, uh, that that um, actually that was after I left, but uh, it said, "I am my brother's keeper." Mm -hmm on the back of the shirts and it was after we won our, uh, our sixth straight ACC title. Uh, actually it was almost, yeah, that was after winning seven in a row 
and then they had the one year Florida State won, and then they won six after that. But Florida State was vacated because of some, I think there was some um, uh, violations that occurred, so that that vacated that spot. So, so we had a, a, a long run of just continual championships, and the one thing that always was uh, was uh, emphasized was uh, teamwork, hard work, and and love for one another, and 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 making sure that you know you took care of your brothers. Uh, and uh, I think he is a, a, a big advocate of, of just working hard, uh, stay in the course, and uh, above all, being just a good person. Yeah. So, um, and, and he, he just taught us those things to just be intense, be relentless, you know, never give up, and uh, always leave uh, uh, all the effort that you can in that pool. Uh, and it starts, and, but everything starts with uh, workouts, workouts and training. And um, and doing it together with your teammates. So he's yeah. big on team and, and big on um, just you know uh, relentless work ethic. Does that relate well now to what you're doing at Deutsche Bank? Absolutely, absolutely. It, trans- it translates. Uh, there's a 100% transfer rate from the things that I learned and how you can apply them to be successful in what I do now. Um, tell, it, tell me this: What does it mean to be a, a managing director at Deutsche Bank? What what does that entail exactly? Uh, managing director is a title. It's the you know the highest title you can get. Uh, you, you start off as an analyst, and then you you progress to associate vice president, director, and then managing director. So um, it's it's a you're a, a material risk taker at the bank, um, and uh, it, it is uh, you know it's a sign of accomplishment within the financial industry. I mean, uh, in, within finance, managing director or senior vice president or senior managing director, it's uh, uh, it's it's an accomplishment. What are the what are the attributes you think you have that that they see in you that obviously you've got you to that point? You know, some things that kids can learn from to say, hey, the, these are necessary in order to be at this level uh, in business. Uh, you have to be someone that is, uh, you know, focused, um, works hard, uh, is extremely diligent, uh, results oriented. Uh, and ability to just uh, overcome uh, any uh, sort of setback or uh, a hurdle that may get in your way and still you know, strive towards the end goal. So, you know, resiliency is something that swimming teaches you more so than a lot of other sports um, on an individual basis. Um, you know, you, you very well know, I mean, you could lose out on making an Olympic trial berth or uh, uh, Olympic team berth, or excuse me, uh, uh, winning an NCAA championship, losing a relay by 0.01 and then losing the meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to come back and get back in the water and suit back up and do it again. Okay. And uh, you could have done everything right and it just didn't go your way. And that mentality and the ability to do that and, and be unbothered, uh, unwavering in, in your efforts to continually strive towards your goals is something that swimming teaches you. And um, I, I think, uh, well, mother Jim Ellis and uh, Coach Bernardino for really instilling that in me um, throughout the process of growing up through swimming. It's done a lot for me personally, and, I, and I'm, I'm you know very thankful. Uh, it, t- it takes me back to something I was thinking about earlier. I was actually talking to your your friend Matt Target, um, who who swims for me as well now, and and he was telling me that you you studied undergrad at UVA, but then you went on to do your MBA at Duke. Is that correct? That's correct. So. That's correct. Tell me why um, you feel like that was a good decision. Like, why not just stay at UVA and get get your MBA there? Why why go to Duke and get that diversity? Uh, <laughs> good question. Uh, 
I actually like the uh, uh, the well. At the time, Duke was the first school to implement both case and lecture. So I've been uh, at UVA. I went to. I was in the School of Engineering and Applied Science. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a, a a plethora of actual business classes in terms of my background. So I didn't have any, you know take any accounting classes or things of that nature while I was an undergrad, or to the intensity that I would have liked. Uh, so and other curriculum that would be taught in, in an MBA um, uh, when, you, when you're getting a, a degree in a master's in business administration. So mm-hmm. if you go to say Harvard and they're going to do all case, then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to benefit from having uh, lectures as well on certain topics. Uh, uh, you went to, at the time, uh, UVA, I believe back then was all lecture. So Duke was a mixture of both where you did case and lecture. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had half of the class, was a lecture on a certain topic, and then you had a case study after that. So the classes were all like two hours and uh, 30, I think it was two hours and 15 minutes, and it was an hour and an hour and a 15 minute break in between. Um, so it was just that, and, and I, uh, so that I, and I, I really liked that. I went down and visited the school, you know, great school. Uh, I wanted to get a break from UVA, and also the UVA seems like it was a massive amount of like, like busy work that had that reputation. So. Um, I thought I wanted to just try something different because I, I liked the 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 case method and, and how it apply. You, you're applying real life situations to the way you're learning. So to me, it was a mixture of both that uh, attracted me. Now you had uh, obviously Coach Ellis and Coach Bernardino as as mentors in your athletic career. Did you have mentors as you were coming up in in the business world as well? I had people that I met. Um, through the interview process uh, that, that kind of like mentored me and helped me. Yes. And then I had people that I met through the process of being at Deutsche Bank um, that kind of like mentored me. So it was kind of a collaborative effort, not one per se, but I had several mentors or I call them sponsors. Sometimes people that see the skill set that you have and, and what you're bringing and, 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 and the presence that you have. And if you're being effective, they want to help guide your career. So I was very blessed to have uh, people of influence that, uh, and it believed in me and kind of like guided my career. Nice. Nice. I like that. I got, I got some other questions here. So, um, all right. So taking what, taking the coaching style of coach Ellis and coach Bernardino, have you applied any of that to your own personal leadership? Uh, is there certain things you've taken from them that you, you say now that I apply that to kind of my style of leadership? Um, that's a very good question. Appreciate it. Um, I would say yes. Uh, you know, they're both a very, they both have a very unique style and swagger about them. Uh, very engaging personalities in different ways, but a lot similar in a lot of ways. Uh, and uh, they, you know, they're, they're masters of their craft. They know exactly what they're talking about. They, and they're also good at, at connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. And now I used before, you know, they can connect with the, the extrovert, you know, drop dead sprinter and they can connect with the maybe some one of the introverted distance swimmers mm-hmm. that you know isn't as is much of a big of a personality uh they can connect with the person that's very cerebral and is going to maybe overthink things and they connect with the person that's you know extremely talented but also you know maybe a little too nervous or, or just uh not so confident um and uh, so taking that to bear as I started my career, you to learn to do the same. And you also, you learn a lot from engaging with someone and then listening to what they have to tell you. And then when you listen, you understand where someone's coming from or what, what their thought process is and then you how to, how to move forward effectively um, as a leader of a team or just as maybe if someone creating a solution for a problem or working with 
uh, a client on something, um, I think a lot of the things that I learned from them are, are uh, have guided my career nicely. So, I like that. I like that. So, um, what about in terms of mistakes? You know, when I was an athlete, uh, I would do, uh, I would look back on certain things, and be like, "Oh man, I I could have done that better. I should have done that better." Do you have moments like that in business? Do you learn from mistakes that you've made where you feel like I've I've got to grow in that area? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you know, you, it's just like when people say there's. The only bad question is the one you don't ask. You should always be very inquisitive. And part of, of being inquisitive is learning from mistakes that happen. So when a mistake happens, you know, if someone's a, an analyst or someone analyst or a trainee, you know, one thing I'll say to them is that you're going to make mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake twice because that means you didn't learn from it. Mm -hmm. So if you make a mistake, understand what the mistake was, understand why you, why you did it, how it happened, you know, what was the effect, and then you learn how to counteract that and what, what's the correction. What's the next measure? And then you make sure you implement that. So, because once you make a same mistake twice, it's a choice. It's not a mistake. Okay. If yeah. you, you did something wrong and you choose to do it again, then you chose to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so learn fast from your mistakes as well. Yeah. Um, what about for your competitors? You know, in, in swimming terms, you, you, you see your competitors, you know what they're doing, you know their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, you, you kind of figure out ways that you can beat them. I, I imagine that's pretty similar in business too, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Like if I look at the people that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, it, there are, there are several that, you know, and, and, excuse me, if I look at the people that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, like my clients, okay, then they've got other dealers or investment banks that are, you know, talking to them. I mean, we know each other, you know, yeah, then the point when you get to a certain level, everyone knows who everyone is. So, you know, who you're competing against and you, people, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and, you know, it's, you just always have to keep yourself well positioned to excel and to do well. Same thing in swimming. You know, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're competing for a spot on the Australian four by 100 meter freestyle relay. You know who the top 10 sprinters are. Okay. And they're going to be buying for eight slots, 10 or 14, maybe 12. You guys are pretty deep then. So maybe, maybe so there's eight spots in that Olympic trial final. Okay. Then when you get there, all right, now there's two people that aren't going to make the team. You want to make sure you're not touching seventh or eighth, you know, hopefully touching first or second, but you know, you get it. And that mentality never goes away. What about you as a, as a competitive swimmer? What, what brought the best out in you? How could we, if I was coaching you, how could I get the best out of you? Um, I throw, I, I was a big time. I think, uh, I think Jim Ellis and Marco both tell you, I was a big time relay swimmer. So um, when I was a PDR, I was always an anchor on all the relays. Um, and, and I brought that same intensity to, uh, to UVA. And uh, Mark knew he could always count on me for a big swim on a relay, uh, uh, you know, a, a big split. I was never the person that split slower on a re free relay than they swam in the individual event. You know, there are some people that will do that. I was the opposite. I would get big drops. Why is that? Because you just loved um, competing for your teammates? Like, you, you're just a team guy? I'm a team guy. I love swimming for my team. And I love the intensity that big relays bring out. You know, the trash talking, the hype. You know, you know, you're seeing everything go off because leadoff swimmer is different. You're going first, and it's really you're you're getting hyped up the, for the team as the leadoff swimmer. Then once you're going second, third, and usually I was anchor, you see all of the back and forth evolving. So that you've got already got your adrenaline is flowing. Uh, juxtapose like like if you want to compare contrast that to say you know coming out for a big time final, it's great. You're walking out, but you're you're hyping yourself up, but nothing's happened yet. You're thinking about what's happening. Say if you're out for a NCAA 
final and, and the 50 or 100 free or an ACC championship to that nature. You're walking out, you walk out on the parade, but you're getting ready to swim. When you're swimming on a relay, you're watching it all unfold in front of you. And you know, you, you know what the the impact will be on the team and you want to deliver for the team. So, but uh, I, I like swimming in relays and I like swimming in big time um, events. So what would be the um, comparable, you know, event at Deutsche Bank for you now? Like how, how do you, how do you get the best out of yourself in the role that you're in now? How do your teammates get the best out of you or, you know, what, what brings out the best in you at the bank? I like being able to, to get someone in uh, to, to work with clients and solve a complex solution where something they may not have been able to do otherwise or something new that they're getting into. Um, and you're, you're, um, uh, you're, you're making that happen. So, um, like they always say, the selling always starts when the customer says no. Like you didn't until then, you didn't really sell anything. You just you just provided something. Um, and once someone is kind of like backed off or not sure, then if you can provide a compelling case why something makes sense, it's good to get that done. Um, it's really good to get that done and watch that happen. How do you measure success in your field? Uh, another good question. Success is me- measured in various ways, um, whether it's a promotion. You know, uh, an increase in compensation, or just a level of uh, proficiency and profitability mm-hmm. that uh, you know wasn't attained before. I uh, I would say you're successful if you can do all of the above and also maintain a level of happiness and content, contentness in terms of what you're doing. You, you know, if you're if you're content, you're happy, you're driven, and you're you're seeing those results. Then that, to me, that's successful. What about we all had we all had teammates that at times, um, you know, just seemed to be bringing the group down or um, needed uh, needed some needed something to to kind of you know snap them out of whatever they are in. How, how do you do that in the business world when 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 a teammate is kind of not um, carrying their weight or, or bringing everybody else down? Like, how do you address that issue? You pull them off to the side and have a chat, or you take same them up thing. and same thing. And you talk about it. Um, so uh, that's happened from time to time. And you just you deal with it. And you try to move forward. Yeah. Uh, but I think being frank and just being direct are the best ways to do that. What about in, in terms of uh, goal setting? I guess that's pretty big for you. Like, I mean, you had your goals at, at UVA, I'm sure, like a, as a team and maybe some individual goals. Is that is that the same for you at the bank now? Like you have goals that will get you out of bed in the morning? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, every single that's the beauty of the business I'm in and what I do is that every single day you reset, you're at zero, zero, and you've got to try to, 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 to win that day. Um, you know, whatever. And, and it's funny because what, what we're doing and what you're doing, it constantly changes because the market changes on different news that comes out or different, you know, releases of information and data that comes out. So what I thought I might've been getting into at 6am might've totally changed at 10am. Mm. You might have had a race strategy. You were going to swim the 200 free a certain way, and you might have thought you were going to, you know, negative split or even split. But if somebody jumps out there on the first 50 and goes for it, you know they got a certain background, and you can't just sit back and give somebody a big lead. You might not be able to catch them. You got to improvise and change your strategy. And people that aren't willing to do that usually won't win, as long as the person is, you know, somewhat evenly matched. If they decide to deviate, you're rolling the dice. So sometimes you have to change your strategy and improvise. And I think um, it's something you learned a lot from. Um, my time in the pool and then easily applied to what I do now. 
What about in terms of motivation? I think sometimes we get we get caught up in being motivated all the time. It's not we're not always necessarily dying to get out of bed in the morning, whether for swim practice or or to go to work. So it's the most successful people aren't the ones that are the the most motivated all the time. They're just the ones that can ride those ups and downs uh, better than anybody else. It's it's almost like it's not based on motivation. It's based on uh, a goal that they're trying to attain and they may feel good or bad on a particular day, but that doesn't, doesn't take away from where they're trying to go. Correct. Uh, I would say most, you know, you have to have a high level of motivation to succeed. I would say, I think what you're saying is the, uh, you want to arrive, you don't want to get too high on your highs and don't get too low on your lows. Sure. Yeah. Even keel. Okay. And I think that is true. Like you don't, you don't get me wrong. People should celebrate, but it's like when you see someone, over-celebrating a touchdown or an interception when the rest of the game is still to be played. It's like, okay, that you got that first down, or you, you got that touchdown, we'll just keep going. We, we haven't gotten to our – we haven't finished yet. And uh, I think that is true in, in, in everything. You need to just maintain a level of calmness, whether you have hit a high or a low, because, you know, there's still more to be played out and you want to be focused going forward. Love it. I love it. Well, what else am I missing here? What else could you tell maybe a young college kid today that aspires to be where you're at? Is there any other advice that we haven't touched on? Uh, just no, just stay focused, man. Just believe in yourself. You believe in yourself and you believe in the, the plan that you've laid out for yourself. Um, then it is, it, it will be attainable. You will be able to get it. Just You have to maintain that focus, drive determination, um, always have a plan, try to execute on that plan. And, um, I would say, uh, just, just, uh, yeah, the, the same things that if it's a college swimmer, the same things that you use to, to, to drive yourself towards whatever it is, making that NCAA cut or winning a conference championship championship or working with a team to win an NCAA championship or a conference championship or whatever it may be, um, apply that now in a setting, in a professional setting. And it will serve you well. Beautiful. I love it. Well, listen, I, I do understand you're a swim nerd. So let's talk swimming a little bit, the current swimming and stuff. Um, first of all, just what's the state of black swimming in this country? What's, where are we with um, the, the uh, young, talented black athletes coming up in this sport? Do you think it's healthy right now or could it be better? I think it's very healthy. I think it's uh, quite robust. Uh, I've never seen such a, a breadth of quality of, of, of underrepresented minorities in the sport of swimming at the level that we see them now. And the swimming, a, a myriad of events uh, and, 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 and getting to levels uh, where people never thought we would be. So I was, you know, like I said, uh, I was there. Uh, in, when I was there, I was watching when Simone, uh, Leonel and, uh, uh, Natalie Hines swept the 100 freestyle the 2015 Women's NCAA Swimming Championships. Mm. That was a milestone. And, and when you really, it, I, I think, I, never, I don't think it was really appreciated the way it should have been. They literally should have stopped the meet and gave them a standing ovation, which they mm -hmm. didn't. But for three black women to be the fastest three people in the entire NCAA, given the percentage of black women that swim and given the, that this, that is the fastest league in the world, you know, in terms of top to bottom, when you look at, at swimming. Um, uh, in the United States, that that's insane. I mean, you, you really think about what that that means. That 
first, second, if they, they were, they, that podium was made up of black women. And I, the fact that they did that then, and I think that the, the cascading effect that the cascading effect that it's had across uh, swimming in general, I mean, you see so many new talents coming up. Um, and the thing is, they believe that they can be the best and they want to be the best and they want to take it to the highest level of excellence and achievement within swimming. Whether that's, you know, winning an NCAA title, winning an Olympic gold medal. Um, and we've seen it um, uh, really, really grow. So you know, I'm friends with a lot of the, the older um, swimmers that have come through and we're all excited about it. I mean, we really are. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's fun to watch. Um, and uh, I'm excited for, because all that's going to do is make the, the United States and swimming in general that much better because there's an untapped talent pool that wasn't being utilized and now it's starting to be utilized. No doubt, man. I believe it a hundred percent. I had a young girl that I coached on NCAA title in the hundred freestyle Ariana Vanderpool Wallace. She's from the from Bahamas, which is why I don't necessarily use the term African-American when I'm describing, you know, young okay. black swimmers, because uh, she just didn't like the term. She's like, I'm not African-American, but, um, but man, what a talent that girl was and, and, and fierce competitor. And, and man, I was like, if I could have, 10 more athletes like her we would yeah. be winning every ncaa championship yep. you know yep. but but that's the thing is like are we are we doing enough are we missing something here could we be doing more for young black swimmers in this country i i think we can and it kind of just starts with just for swimming in general because uh you, you if you have to get people comfortable with just swimming i mean a lot of black people don't swim and some of it's there's a lot of different reasons behind that whether it's accessibility of the pools, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, knowledge of what the sport can do for you, you know, what, what, what the path is like to get from learn to swim to, to age group swimming or country club, not, or country club swimming or summer league swimming or just swimming in the summer to swimming year round, swimming in high school, swimming in college, mm -hmm. you know, no, you know, natural progression that you normally see this illustrated to people um, for the majority of people of color. Okay. Uh, and if you're someone that maybe lives in the suburbs, you will see it just from the normal acclimation of being around the whole summer club routine or, or what people are doing, your peers in your high school. Um, but uh, I think if we can just broaden the, the, the reach, we're trying to, USA Swimming is trying to do that now. And I'm working with uh, uh, some of the people in, in, um, uh, on the committee, the Team Black Committee that we started, Black Leadership and Aquatic, Aquatic Coalition that are trying to help them steer, steer things the right way. But um, yeah, I mean, there's more that can be done, but we've made a, a ton of progress, but we've got to keep it moving um, because there, there's always seems to be a focus, you know, around Black History Month or or when, you know, someone of color wins a medal at an international competition. But we need to have this as a continual thing, you know, year round to help bring change. Yeah. Um, Yes. Well, listen, there's some exciting young talent out there, man. I'm seeing some stuff from around the swimming world and there's not a lot of competitions going on right now, but a lot of, a lot of young talent coming up and, in, in, um, in the black community, which I'm super excited about. What about in terms of the Olympics? Who's, who's the best chance you think this year to get on top of the podium? Is it probably Simone again? Yeah, you've got, you've got, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't count her out. I mean, she's the only sprinter, female sprinter that's been on the podium in the 50 and the 100 and the if you go the last olympics and then the last two world championships there's one female sprinter that's been on the podium for the 50 and 100 and it's simone manuel she's Not, good man she's good all the, other, all the others have failed at one of those meets yeah or, or one of those podiums but she's been all on all six so uh i'm looking forward to her uh you know shining in 2021 
And there's other people that are coming up too. You got the Shane Shane Cassis. Shane Cassis, yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy's talented. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. He's David, really David Curtis. You heard of him? Yeah, David Curtis. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a extremely talented high school swimmer. He's going to NC State uh, mm-hmm. in the fall. Uh, he's throwing out some really quick 50 meter times. You got uh, Reese Willie. Oh yeah. Boys for a big breakout. Yeah. Um, and you've got uh, uh, some of the uh, you know the the, the 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 people that have stayed around. You got Natalie Hines swimming. You've got uh, Leah Neal still putting in good work. Charles uh, Smith. Val Smith, my boy, he, uh-huh. uh, his parents grew up with me in Philly. It's a funny story, oh, oh, yeah. but I've known him for a long time. You've yeah. got um, the, a lot of young women, uh, like the Ulette girls uh, out of Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of them, I think, uh, the youngest one, what, 209, and turned her back as a 14 year old, 13 or 14. Some, it was either 14 or 15, but uh, fast. I mean, that's fast. Um, but a lot of very versatile, young, up and coming swimmers. Um, I think that are going to really uh, uh, shine, um, but um, and, and it's just fun to, to see the pipeline so deep. Um, I mean, to see you know Curtis around a twenty-one and a and a just a, a one of the the the, uh, the pro series meets him. Yeah, yeah. How do you stay so connected to him? Man, you you know a lot. You know you know more just as much as I do in terms of the, what's going on right now. How do you stay connected? I love for the sport, man. I love for the sport and. Uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, I'm fortunate to be friends with a lot of the people that were on some of the teams. So it's, you know, I'm always around it, you know, uh, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm tight with Colin Jones, I'm tight with Anthony Irvin. You also know Connor Dwyer, Matt Target, yeah. Chase Bayless, and Allison Schmidt, and uh, a lot of other people. So you just, you, I just stay in the scene. I've uh, traveled a lot. I've, luckily, I'm able to afford to, to, to go to while the world championship meets the Olympics. So you go, when you, when you go and say, I mean, you know, cause you've been there sitting there watching the meets, those meets, it's just so it, it's, if you're a, a swim nerd or somebody that gets up, you know, like really gets into swimming, um, that is the ultimate where you can sit there and just watch the swimming and watch the, the back and forth and the positioning. Um, so, you know, it should, it should be, I'm looking forward to this year because this is going to be really amazing trials because we're going to see a lot of changes. I think we're going to see a lot of the, some of the, you know, I see some of the old guard has really stepped it up and they're going to make it again. And then you're going to see some of the people that aren't going to make it because you got a lot of, I mean, there's a finite set of spots mm-hmm. and there's a, a de- definitely a lot of youngsters that are coming up and the extra eight months only help them. It only help them get older, stronger, faster. And I think it's really going to be a, 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 a changing of the guard of some sorts and some events or some areas where you're going to see a lot of people really, rise up and try to, to push forward to get, get on those teams so I it's agree. Good. watching ot's in june it's going to be amazing i agree well listen hopefully we can catch up grab a beer together out there love to sit down and chat more but uh, listen thanks for your time today i really appreciate it um helping me get through my first business interview uh <laughs> thanks for being gentle on me trevor <laughs> okay it was a great interview uh, like i said love to catch up with you in uh in uh in omaha but uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch there's a lot of great swimming coming out Oh, I appreciate your time today, man. Thanks a lot, and uh, good luck over the next few months, all right? Thank you. Have a great See day. You. Thanks, Trevor. Bye. Uh-huh.